Hey there, how are you, everybody? My name is Jude Gold. Thanks for listening to episode 23 of No Guitar Is Safe. Happy Friday. We have two fantastic guitar players on the show today, Mike Stern and Laney Stern. Mike, I have been familiar with, gosh, since I was 17, senior in high school. I really have just been a fan of Mike's forever. Mike taught me something really amazing. I mean, you learn so much through effects and and big riffs and sounds and techniques about how you can soar with with the right combination of all those things. But then you hear a guy like Mike Stern, and you realize that all you need is a great melody, and you can just soar, you can fly. I mean, Mike Stern just fried my brain with that album when it came out. It was called, uh, it is called Upside Downside, that record. It was produced by Hiram Bullock, the late great guitarist, super funky cat. He kind of gave Mike a rock edge on this album. Mike definitely rocks out from time to time, but you know, he's, he's a jazz player. There's not a wasted note. When he plays a bunch of notes, every note counts. It's all part of the melody. Yeah, that album pretty much fried my brain in the late 80s. The guitar playing, wow, just so powerful. Not a note out of place. Yeah, Mike Stern, he earned his pedigree early on playing with so many great legends like Jaco Pistorius and Miles Davis and just about everybody. I mean, New York jazz player. He was right there and remains to this day a New Yorker. You can still see him at the 55 bar and Laney Stern. They play there. That's something you just got to do. Maybe you got to do the Empire State Building, but you also got to go to the 55 bar and see Mike Stern if he's in town. He takes it to the moon and back in this little place. I'm excited to see Laney Stern there someday too because that, that's kind of like their home turf. Now speaking of albums that are going to fry your brain, let's jump ahead to the present where Michael has... Michael? That's what Laney calls Mike, I think. Where Mike has a new badass record with Eric Johnson. That's right. This is a two-headed guitar assault all the guitar you could ever want on one record, I swear. And Laney's on there, too. There's your friend Eric Johnson. (laughs) 
Yeah, that's the album. Eric Johnson, Mike Stearns, called Eclectic. Kind of one-stop shopping if you like some crazy guitar. All the stuff you could want. There's Mike. A lot of stuff going on this record. Some great contributions from Lainey, too. Now, let me tell you about Lainey in case you don't know. She is an amazing musician. This is the second track on her album, Jalel, J-E-L-E-L-L. Yeah, she's a singer. Great guitar player. Percussionist. And also a black belt who speaks multiple languages. So kick your ass on guitar and in other ways. She's just hilarious, too. So I caught up Laney and Mike at the hotel on the last day before the last show. He was out for three shows, three nights with the amazing Tsunami on the drum kit, Dennis Chambers, and the uh, untoppable Randy Brecker on trumpet. It's a monster band, three nights in a row, and massive props to Catalina because she keeps it going. If you're in L.A., you got to go to Catalina's and check out the calendar. See a world-class musician coming through town. Have a great meal. It's awesome. Now, uh, so yeah, I went over to the hotel, and it's hilarious. You know, Mike and, and Lainey, they just jam in their hotel rooms, when, and they're always jamming at home, too. I, I learned a lot about what it would be like. If I don't know if any of you out there have this going on, but it would be a trip to be married to a professional guitarist if you were also a professional guitarist. How does it work? How do you not go crazy? They seem to have a good system going. They're so cute. They're two guitar peas in a pod, I tell you what. And it was cool. Our friend uh, Jeff Richmond, a guy I know from Great Guitarist Around Town, also teaches at Musicians Institute, world-class player and producer guy, he brought them two amplifiers for their room so they can rock out. So I went in there, and we somehow like set up some mics in that. And uh, I just brought an acoustic guitar. I don't really play that much. I let them play and talk and... Okay, well, there you have it. Let's go over there. First, just want to quickly thank Guitar Player Magazine and GuitarPlayer.com for believing in my guitar podcast here. No guitar is safe. Thanks for listening. Let's go hang out with Mike and Laney Stern. No guitar is safe. Let's just play blues in B flat. This is called Laney's Blues. We're writing it right now. <laughs> One, two. Five, six, seven, eight.
gentlemen blues for laney bird <laughs> well that was wonderful thanks for a little morning concert there. <laughs> is this how you guys how often do you guys travel like this like just jamming with two amps in the hotel room sometimes we used to do a lot more usually we don't go on the road too much together laney goes with her band and i go with mine and uh, but this is how we play at home this, this is how, how we play at that. home we get i make some cappuccinos and then we turn on the amps and then we play. exactly that's great. And often this happens. And usually we play harder tunes that we're not going to play now because I'll get my ass kicked. Lady plays them much better than <laughs> no, me. No, it's not true. And, um, and, but, we, we, uh, but we've been married for 33 years and it's been going unbelievably great. One of the things is we kept our careers kind of separate, figuring it would just be too much maybe, you know, if you're always constantly together. Right. But so then... Sometimes when I'm doing gigs and I miss Lainey too much, she comes out and joins me. Oh, Michael comes and joins me. One exactly. time I was in India and he came to India. In India, yeah, that was fun. You know what was the funniest part of that? There was, was a, a line way, of and I had Indian to swim. bass players it was a at hell 8 o'clock in the morning. They would come and say, can we play with Mike Stern? We had to get another room <laughs> so I could sleep. <laughs> right. Wow, so how often do you guys actually perform together? We don't perform together. We'd rather stay married, and it's worked quite well. <laughs> no, we used to a lot, and it was cool, but sometimes when you're married, and like if you say you're playing with the band and you know you get a little disagreement with the drummer, well, then you can just go home and you sleep it off, and, and, uh, and, and you don't, you know, and, and you, the next day you make up. But if it's with your wife and you have, a, you know, a little disagreement, then you go home and she's right there. And you <laughs> well, exactly, because but I told she, you that chord was wrong and you kept playing it. Well, she's the one you would talk to about the other musician, but you can't go home to her and say, the other guitar player. That's right. Exactly. It was her. rushing, That's right. rushing. I swear to God, <laughs> rushing like a bat out of hell. <laughs> So you guys, mo most of your arguments are over musical matters or 
debates, I would say, maybe. Sometimes political debates. Political debates more. More political, more political debates, debates or, but or not not too much political debates because we're co- well, we're very much on equipment the because I'm like a tube girl and Michael is like well he's lately come around to my way of thinking, but he was initially more like sort of the English rock sound like a like a like a solid state kind of situation. No, but I, I stereo I, and I play mono, Fender tube amps and. I have a collection we of don't black really face you. amps. Michael says old amps, they break because they're old. And I that's say old true. amps sound good. So that's the kind of argument we but have. But they do break. Yeah, but they sound good. Yeah, but when they break, <laughs> they don't sound good. <laughs> yes, they, they don't. They <laughs> lose like their... solid state amps never break. <laughs> they lose their charm if two they break. Two sides of the coin. Yeah, two sides of the coin. Now, speaking of amps, you, these aren't amps you could travel with. I mean, they're still not your normal amps, I assume. But, you're, Lainey, you've got this uh, Fender tube amp. That's actually the amp that I normally travel with. I have a Fender. Uh, this is a Blues Junior. Uh, but she I, gets yeah. the good amp. You know, they've stuck me with the. <laughs> no, these are brought to, to us so we could practice by our wonderful friend and amazing guitar player, Jeff Richmond. That's so he just started. He just. Knew you would want some amps and just brought them over? Yeah, well, we asked him, and, and, and Laney asked him, and he brought them over. Because they're, they're st- he had to bring two because they only... I don't know why they do that with amps, but they only have one input in each. It's nice to have a little separation, just, you know, yeah. in marriage and in amps. <laughs> yeah, <that's true. laughs> well said, Jude. But you guys do collaborate, obviously, like on, like on the song Bigfoot off the new Eclectic album with uh, Eric Johnson that you have, Mike. You're clearly on the intro, right, Lane? Yes, I play. I play one of the. I, I like to play many instruments. I'm kind of a little bit of a multi instrumentalist, and that instrument I play there is the African ngoni. It's a predecessor of the guitar, or more likely like um, the banjo, because it's a wooden body with a skin over it, and then the bridge sits on the skin, like on a banjo. The bridge yeah. sits on the skin too. Uh-huh. And it's a it's a fretless instrument, which I kind of like because you know when you do all of your blues bands or so, you you, you kind of want to make it sound like you have no frets, like very liquid and vocal. And and on that instrument, you can sort of you have no frets, so you can you can do that. And plus, it has beautiful. like a very like organic blue sounds, being that the the strings are made from fishing line, so it's got that in, built-in funk. Wow, kinda. literally fishing line. Uh huh. Number three. instruments that are made out of resources of you know steel <laughs> drums that kind of stuff yeah and no it's those are amazing instruments i mean laney's amazing like in so many ways she's a, i'm blushing i'm blushing she's I'm blushing. A, no but no but let me let me let me go <laughs> because it's true she um laney played with i mean first of all there's a ton of people she's played with over the years but but her just general attitude in life is to try everything and, and to kind of get into it and learn so much and me, I'm still working on <laughs> my country music. <laughs> but um, but no, but Laney, Laney knows what is it? Six languages? Five. Six, six, maybe seven. That's I'm crazy. still working on English, and and she um and she's learned so many different kinds of music. She goes and and gets into different stuff. So now it's it was Indian for a while. She was waking me up with a 
with the whatchamacallit, what was that thing? Tempura. A tempura. No, tempura shrimp. Tambora. Tambora. <laughs> a tempura shrimp. She was like, we have uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, tambora. And she would do, and she'd right, start right. singing Indian scales. Droning. So beautiful. Yeah. It's incredible. And then she'd go, <laughs> But better than that. That so, was my version. Do you ever pick up the guitar and play against that? Sometimes ever... it's really inspiring. I mean, some of the stuff she does, and she's done a ton of records. Her first record had Paul Motion. It did. Paul Motion was But it was drum. an accident. You know, he had just told, No, but you were playing at the he, 55 He had ball. told um, Keith Jarrett to go to hell and found himself out of work because he had been Keith Jarrett's drummer and had not much time to do anything else. So Bill Frizzell, who was my guitar teacher, was in the band, said that Paul was looking for work because he had just gotten, he had just quit. You know, he like likes to do that, Paul. Like he ran out of Bill Evans too at the Village Vanguard. So he just, when he's had it, he's had it, he left. I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know that either. Yeah. So so Bill said like that that Paul had asked him to recommend him for a band, so he recommended him for mine. And, and you know, Paul was like a very charming guy. He always had like, <laughs> when we were in the band together, he always had like not one, but two like 18, 20-year-old girls that was madly in love with him sitting in the audience, two of them. I didn't know that either. Yeah, Bill, Bill would always say like, you know... We would like have like one if we're lucky and look at this dog, you know, like with this like two young. <laughs> now men. let me ask. So he liked playing. He played with Jerry Allen too. He liked playing with women. He was very, like, generous in his liking of women. He would like he would he would always call me like yeah man yeah man and, and, and then finally one day I said he said like uh, okay babe and then he called Bill Fussell babe too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was a funny it was kind guy. Of like either or kind of guy. He was very funny. But you played at the Fifty Five Bar. Yeah, we played together for a long time. We where we still records. we still play there. Yeah. Uh, I play there a couple times a week. Lainey plays there a couple times. A, a, you play there two or three times a month. But what still. I meant to say, it was it was pure luck. It wasn't married or anything. It was like he had quit and he was looking for a job and I had one. There's always a little bit of luck in every I know. But what was it? You you paid him $50. He came down to do it and you had to get the drums. $100. We had to go and get him in his house. So me and the bass player, we would like drive to his house and pick him up. Which was in Manhattan, uptown in Manhattan. or something. He lived like near Central Park. And he had, I know, but we had to go carry the drums down. So we went up into his apartment. And he had that grand piano that was the first piano that Keith Jarrett had ever played on that he had given to Paul Motion. The first wow. piano he ever played on? What do you yes, mean? Yes, it was like, I don't know what it was. I well, didn't I'm glad you didn't call him for a piano gig or you'd be yeah, carrying I that know, down the exactly. stairs. Yeah, I know, exactly. You'd take that down the stairs. That wouldn't have been... But, okay, so your most recent album is Jalel. Is that, am I saying that correctly? Yes. Tell us where you recorded that. Well, I recorded that in Senegal because my percussionist... Alun Fai comes from a family of percussionists. You know, in India and in Africa, very often, like, the whole family is a percussionist or is a sitar player. Like, you know, like, in, in, in America, we have the two, like, the whole family is lawyers. You know, it's like, it's Goldsmith and Goldsmith and Goldsmith and Goldsmith, right. you know? Like, so over there, it's more common in, like, the in the arts that there is, like, a whole family of percussionists. So we had this idea of going home and recording with his whole family, with his brothers, because they've played together since they're little. And they're like really um, 
tight. Of course. And they're and uh, they're the first family of percussion in Senegal. Yeah, right? they are. Didn't they play on Yusur? Yusur. They play with Yusur Dur. On that Yusur and Dur record. Yeah, records. The older Well, that stuff sounds so stereophonic on on your album. So yeah, let's listen. I don't even know if I can say this. Natayon. 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 Which means how many times? Yeah. They call drum calls. You know, they, they, they made their way to Africa with the slaves and their, you know, like the drum lines, the snare drums. You find those things still survive in that. And there's like a drum language to it. Well, he says that what he did, that it's called. It's like all like languages. Yeah, yeah. And and it's really cool when you learn that language. You kind of get a hold of what like Elvin and those guys were doing when you didn't couldn't figure out what they were doing. Kind of because you can't figure that out neither because it's sort of you're playing with the rhythm. You don't actually play the time like one, two, three. But you play off the time. Off the rhythm, yeah. Off the rhythm. But it's rhythm. pretty much in four, twelve, or something. Twelve, it's, eight, it's, or six. You, you know, they have like a thing where they like to play. <laughs> two rhythms at the same time which actually in jazz we like to do too it's like the swing is really like um three against two you know the thing is what happened I, you know when you go to college and when when we talk about and all the like great old jazz musicians that michael played with michael played with elvin and with uh, with miles and and all those people you always wonder what the hell are they really doing i mean what the hell is it and when i came to africa i sort of found that thing there you know i can't put it in words and the other thing is when i sat in with those people i just played my basic jazz and blues licks and they said oh you know our music so well like they said they said that's their music they said like, oh where did you learn that and i said we learned what like i didn't get it right away i was just trying to find like a downbeat and play my best blues lick kind of you know and they said oh you play malian music beautifully they said and I got hired to play in a bunch of Mario. Well, Matt, there was one time when this guy named Basico. Oh, yeah, when he came over. Basico, what's his last name? Kuyate. Kuyate. Uh-huh. From Bas- Goniba. Yeah, and he's a really nice guy. I just know him as Basico because I can't pronounce his last name. As you can tell. <laughs> and, um, and he came over and he was, uh, and he was playing the Goni. And he picked up on a lady's Goni and, and we were jamming. And he said, Oh, shoot, I wish I'd brought my Goni, you know, it sounds better. And Meanwhile, he sounded amazing. It's an amazing instrument, really, like, you look at it, it looks like a, it's got three strings or something. Well, actually, it's got seven, but it's got two playing strings. Three, and they rest two like playing other, strings, yeah, it's very, drones. it looks very, like, scaled down, you know. <laughs> and uh, But but he was playing the hell out of it, and Laney plays it beautifully on, on uh, the, that record that I did with Eric Johnson. She also sings on that record on a couple of places with so the which, Goni. So what's, what's an example of a song that she does that on the Eric Johnson, Mike Stern record? Oh, well, there's a, there's a kind of, right before the, there's a ballad uh, before, um, uh, what's that ballad called? I forgot what that ballad was called. I wrote it. Now. Whenever, that sounds wherever good. you go? Yes. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
now we're playing. Laney, Laney was at the studio with with Eric Johnson and and myself and and um, Anton Fig. Hey, who's drums. from South Africa, by the way? Oh. And, so he knows all of that stuff. So he knows a lot of it. And and um, Anton Fig and uh, Chris Marish is playing bass. And Laney came to, to kind of hang out and to visit. And I said, bring the Goni. And, and so Eric is, you know, he's a big fan. He thinks Laney's stuff is really fresh. He always says, oh, that stuff's really fresh. Yeah, I love the way. <laughs> Eric's such a great cat. And uh, But he, he's a fan of her. So they were playing some guitars. And then... And then um, also, then all of a sudden, you know, kind of, he, I, I kind of suggested we do these little vignettes. I didn't know exactly what we were going to do, just in between a couple of tunes. And he said, why does, doesn't Laney just sing and, and play Goni and we'll just play behind her? So we kind of did that, kind of spontaneously. That's kind of how that whole record went down, actually. It was pretty spontaneous. And it's really cool. Uh, it's So these little couple di- different places... cool song on that is like Michael singing Red House Aerith got him to do that because all of those guitar players in Austin they can all sing like all hell you know and and Eric really liked Michael singing so he got him to record uh, Red House Jimi Hendrix too. well we yeah. split the, we split it yeah, they I, sang I, it together I, it yeah because Eric really sings he's been singing for and a long all, time. you know all of our jazz was like I remember one time Esperanza Spalding was over and uh, and we played that song and she said who's that singer and I said and she started screaming. She wouldn't believe me. She thought I was putting her on. <laughs> she thought it was really funny. Well, there's a red house over yonder, baby. That's where my baby stayed. There's a red house over yonder, baby. You sounded great the other night, Mike. You yeah. were singing uh, "Wishing Well." Yeah, I do that on this record too, and yes. I actually wanted. Um, you know, it's hard to sing like kind of. Uh, you know, you get a little shy about it. But uh, uh, Richard Bona always told me to to kind of. You know, he says you got a good voice. You could do this stuff. You know what he does, but he does it so well. I mean, Richard's amazing. He's got such a great voice. You're not so bad either, you know. But but he's really phenomenal. So no, I gotta so say, I, you surprised me, man. I did this on on this just to kind of a track to send to um, um, what's his name? you know sailing sailing oh, Christopher, yeah, Christopher Cross and and Christopher because they're friends Eric Johnson so I said do you think Christopher Cross would sing this tune uh, wishing well on the record he said yeah I'll do it and then he heard me do it at a live gig Christopher Cross did while we were recording we did a couple gigs 
And he said, no, you should sing it. And then I said, well, you got to sing some part of it. And so he sang the bridge, but he, he kind of pushed me to sing it, which which I think it, it would probably have sounded better if he sang it. No, but it worked out. It worked out. But it's fun because you know, I've it's always... it's crazy. In, in, like, Texas, all the... It's just up in New York, we're so uptight. We're, like, either an instrumentalist or a vocalist, you know. But up in Texas, like, all of those guys can sing and play. Like, you know, Christopher Cross can really play guitar, too. Yeah, he could just be a guitar player. And Eric is a hell of a singer. It's just a different... Um, mm, it's of. a different context down there. You, you, you kind of sort of have to sing. But I've also... I've always thought... Uh, I'm always kind of... When I'm teaching, I try to get students to kind of sing what they play even if they kind of grunt what they play just to well, get it well you always told me to sing my solos you know yeah to try to sing them sometimes and Dave Lehman once told me actually uh, the teacher that he I can't remember anybody's name anymore but this is a, a really <laughs> great well I've never been able to do that it's not one of my strong suits but um, an amazing piano player that Dave Liebman studied with and Richie he said Byer. no 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 or Richie with Richie Byrick he played with Liebs but um, what's the cat's name? Really f famous kind of bebopper. He he said that uh, he used to get students to. This was Lieb's teacher years ago. He used to get students to um, to to sing the uh, transcribe a solo, come in and sing it before they played it. Which I, that was a little adventurous, but I'm sure they didn't sing it perfectly. But the idea was to really own it like that. So sometimes I tell students when they're when they're playing, you know, just to sing along, kind of with with however they can do it, you know, and and. Uh, and it just helps you learn uh, and sound more vocal on the on, especially on guitar, where it's where it's not as easy to sound vocal as as a wind instrument. Because they have to take breaths. They right. have to take you know, breaths. I really noticed that when I was singing, that you have to actually think about singing, and all of a sudden, my phrasing on guitar got a hundred times yeah, better. Yeah, it gets better. Because Miles Michael always said, like, "Oh yeah, you have to sing. You have to leave space, take a breath." But until you run out of air, you don't really understand it. Miles Miles told me that Oscar Pettiford used to. He said Oscar Pettiford used to do that all the time. He sang his solos, and you kind of hear him like sometimes in you know, recordings. Oscar Pettiford, like, yeah. uh, great bass player, but you know, kind of grunting. So it wasn't exactly right. great singing, but it was just the whole idea. Of, you could tell he was just kind of owning the whole thing in in his in his from his chest, you know, from his vocal cords. Kind of. Now, also. how did you um? What possessed you and Eric to do this record? How did that come about, you and Eric Johnson? Well, I, I did a record called Big Neighborhood, and I asked a couple of, you know, really cool guitar players. Steve Vai was on that. Right. And, um, and Eric. And, uh, and I asked them both to play on the record, and they said, yeah, they'd love to do it, which kind of, well, I certainly was very happy about that. And, uh, and so... Um, that went really great, and and I then I when I was playing with Eric, I said we got to do some something sometime more, you know, and then a tour came up. But they actually asked us to play at the Blue Note in New York, and then we kind of made a, a East Coast tour around that. Right. And when that happened, 
we had such so much fun. We got Anton Fig and 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 this wonderful bass player from from Austin, uh, Chris Marish, to play, and and we had such a ball together. It was really fun. Then we decided we would record it and do some more touring. So did that's you track it in New York? No, at Eric's studio, and he's got a really cool studio in in Austin. It's a little funky, you know. It's not like like um, amazingly like perfecto kind of thing with a million isolation booths or anything so so it's kind of it had a kind of a live vibe but it was really well produced eric's a wonderful producer it sure was a good great. studio for and guitars it's, it's you a know, very like good there was any amp you could known to yeah. man any mic you could mic the guitar with it was guitar players heaven kind of you know? yeah and that eric's su he's such a cool guy and so humble kind of and he just loves to play you know and yeah. like we were on the road for a while and he said you know if somehow something happened where the next gig well we still were going to make it to the next gig and he just said it there was like this little place we were going to get some yogurt or something you know or 7-eleven he said let's just go over to 7-eleven and just play let's just set up and play there <laughs> i'd like to see that yeah he's so down to earth and he's yeah. such a big star you he's know but he's like all normal he's <coughs> all about playing guitar he was buying like you know on the way of the road he was buying old guitars like oh my god the guitars that he would like people would bring them to the shows oh my god there was a red string and then and they he finds out about him he's a real he's, he's like a, a real it takes them apart he takes everything apart and you're like eric don't do that and I all think his parts lying around <laughs> danny gatton you know danny gatton yeah, an yeah. amazing guitar player that is now no longer with us but he he um he used to be like that with cars i remember danny because i i knew danny gatton and this playing with eric kind of brought me back to to like washington dc where i i grew up and um roy buchanan. and and i used to listen to roy buchanan and danny gatton and danny was just fixing guitars at that time he was a guitar repairman so i brought a guitar over there and i'd heard him play at this little place in georgetown with a kind of a country band and i was like of course just totally blown away and he was just like well you know that's crazy know. Yeah, it was really. I mean, it's like going to get your oil changed, and it's like Mario Andretti. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. That's right. It's really true. And and uh, so he was playing great. I took a guitar over there. He kind of grabbed it and said, "You know, it was a telly." And I said, "Can you kind of fix this up a little bit?" And he said, "Oh yeah, I'll see what I can do for you know." And he kind of threw it in the corner, and like he was it was like a car or something and I, I whatever the hell he did he bowed the neck a little and put crayon around the pickups or something like that and i'm not sure exactly what some backwood stuff it just sounded so much better when i got it back and then i just used to hear him and roy buchanan all the time one point danny wanted to buy a used car and another car that he probably wanted to buy i didn't know he was a real good uh, a, a car you know aficionado i mean he wanted a, a car collector but i think he got into that as he got more successful but he, he it, so he sold me roy buchanan's old guitar it was great and it got ripped off unfortunately it was an amazing guitar though that's the one that you got you got one guitar from danny so it was roy's yeah. and then it was danny's and then it, it was yours well uh, no it was uh, from danny yeah, it was Roy's, then it was Danny's, then it was mine, exactly. And then it was somebody who sold to put it, ripped me off with a gun at a at a, at a um, 
bus station in Boston, right. and then and so then it was somebody's a pawn shop for a while. Did your I mean, heart was, jump in your chest when you saw the gun? What is it? I mean, I yeah, well, I mean, York, that it probably happens to you all the time. Then no, it doesn't happen all the time, but it can happen anywhere in this country, and uh, and because everybody's grandmother's got a gun, you know, and nowadays, except for us, we don't. We we got guitars. We'd figure they're it's a better deal but um yeah i was but he had a persuasive argument as i always like to say the guy i mean you can't really do anything about it but uh but hearing danny and playing with eric uh were were you know and 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 you know eric's got brought me back to some of that world you know and eric is a really good jazz player too he's really into jazz he loves west montgomery Probably between him and Danny Gatton, I think Eric is the better jazz player. But he's he's just we call the record eclectic because both of us like a lot of kinds of stuff. He he loves jazz, of course. I'm more of a jazz player. He's more of a blues rocker with a whole bunch of other stuff thrown in, and it just sounds like to me sounds just like a wonderful musician. And I you don't need to put any more stamps on it than that, you know. Absolutely. And so it was really fun playing with him. And you know, I think at the Grammys they should have a category that's just guitar. I agree. Or can something. you like you like with the journalism and all of that? Can you like petition for that? They got like three thousand different Latin categories. We should have like jazz. Contemporary guitar. Well, at least contemporary. I think they finally put that back. No, in. I think they should just have guitar records <laughs> because guitar players. You know, we get called to play so many different styles of music. You know, I yeah. I play with all kinds of bands, Latin bands, and there's so many different kinds: Colombian, Brazilian, Argentinians, all different rhythms and chacareas and milongas and all of that. We should have a category for just guitar players because we get to do all kinds of things. So okay. our records notoriously are very eclectic. I was so happy when they called that eclectic because I always thought that guitar players are that a lot. I mean, you know, sax players too, they get called to play on everything. It's actually, you know, that's the cool thing about being a jazz musician. You can blend into all kinds of styles of music, you know. It's really true. You have the harmonic knowledge. You can roll, you know, With handle a lot the changes. Of stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Also, <coughs> you have the groove if you're a seasoned jazz or experienced jazz player. You swinging you can surf the time as well as the harmony yeah i want to talk to you more about that after seeing your show again the other night but maybe you guys could uh, play another little ditty or something sure sure what do you feel we'll like play. playing what should we play what do you want to play Thank you. 
That was fun. <laughs> yeah, Lady oh, Bird. It's early in the morning. You guys morning. are swinging. Yeah. Pretty early. Yeah, swinging <laughs> pretty early in the morning. That's the way to go. Okay. As early as possible. Now, Lenny, tell me about this uh, awesome strat. I love strats that look like they've lived a million lives and been through the war, and yours <laughs> certainly looks like that. Well, you know, it, it was. I am a fan of Indosea, and when they first signed me up, Robin Ford recommended me. Thank you, Robin. Um, they said what kind of color my guitar should be. I sent them specs. I did some adjustments on the guitar. I had the neck. I make the neck a little smaller on the top because I spend a lot of time here. And I don't like like those necks that Michael have that they're like sort of baseball batty kind of round things. I like them a little bit more flatter because I have smaller hands. So... I gave them the specs for the neck, how I wanted, and I like the body to be small, like a 59 Stratocaster. And then they said, what color I wanted? And I said, what color you have? And they said, we have any color you want. I said, okay, gold. And then they said, we don't have gold. <laughs> and they said, but we'll make you gold. So, <laughs> Did they really? <laughs> so yeah, so they like kind of spray painted the gold over a, 
sunburst. And then I went to <laughs> Africa and I played, I got hired to play inside of Keita's band. And we did a lot of like football stadium, kind of like outdoors. Salif Keita was an amazing uh, He's singer. a singer, you know him. He's like an African singer. He's a famous African singer. From Mali, he's like the most famous and, and one of the most famous. Salif so I played Keita, his guitar section incredible. because like, you know, that's how you learn how to play like African guitar. So I played with all the other guitar players. But there's a lot of bad malaria and dengue fever there. So I didn't want to get any of that during the outdoor concerts. Thank you very much. So I covered myself with this like military grade deed stuff. And after the concert, my arm was black green. And I thought like, oh my God, I got like some kind of like the guinea worm or like some kind of tropical crazy disease. But I didn't know deed is... Um, has acetone in it. Oh, it's worse so than malaria. The acetone on <laughs> my arm um, wiped off the paint of my guitar. That's why You're it looks kidding like me. Color. Yeah. I, you never told me I this story. I washed my arm like crazy. It wouldn't come off. Of course it doesn't come off. And then I used like nail polish remover and it came off. Like I tried anything <laughs> I had. Finally I took the nail polish remover and it came yeah, off yeah. immediately. And then I looked on the bottle and it said acetone. And, and that's why the guitar looks like it's 100 wow. years old, because the, you know, the, the acetone from the deed solution yes. removed. I spent like seven years playing in African bands. I played with Tumani Jabate and with, with, yeah. with and, and there, there are a lot of concerts, they're outdoors, but they're in these areas where they have malaria. So you have to protect yourself from it. You know, in Salif's band, everybody was making fun of me because I always had, I had all kinds of like, psh, they call it the psh, psh, yeah. And and creams and stuff for for for. But bugs, they all got know? malaria and you did. The entire band got malaria, including Salif. And after that, Salif and me, and me, I didn't get it. So after that, Salif with the whole band would come out and everybody would stretch out their hands and I'd go with a deed across everybody and the other side and then we yeah. like we all covered ourselves because we had, Salif had a cancer concept because he was so sick. Wow. So that's why the guitar looks like that because all of these. I mean, I've had it for about 20 years, but it still looks like it's about like 60 years old. And I have the, I have the original 59 <laughs> guitar too, but I don't go on the road with it anymore because I've had some bad experiences with airlines where they've no. <laughs> they forced me to check it. I remember one time from Cincinnati to Los Angeles, we, we had to, we had to, I had to check the guitar and it, I almost ended up on the no-fly list because I got so upset. Oh, man. Well, I can't believe... Mike, you look like you have just like a soft case for yours. Yeah, yeah. No, I get it on the well, plane. Well, you know, there is a law now that we can <coughs> take it on the plane. But thing. still, it might, get, it might get put under or... No, 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 no. Well, I know yeah. you, you board first, so... Well, you, that's you, the thing. I go... You got I have 65,000 miles on United yeah, last I year alone. A whole lot. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and yeah. I got a black belt, so anybody touches my guitar, I'm sorry. <laughs> Wow, n note to the airline industry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, Elvis. Watch out. No point in harassing me about But you know, you must be buddies with, with Oz Noy. Huh? You know Oz? He's yes. got He's got this awesome guitar case that's barely bigger than his Strat. It's so skin tight on it. Yeah, and I know. And you can drive a truck over yeah. it. It's like a $1,400 case. Yeah, and you, they make them. And, they, and if, you, if worse comes to worse, you have to what put it under the plane. Man, I wish I could remember the name of yeah, the brand. I'll it's put it good. Oz was telling me about it. But they're handmade, and you they, they kind of melt, the, melt around the guitar or something like that. So they fit. It's the like carbon fiber on the outside, too. So. Yeah, and so I you're have, okay. We have, we have one carbon fiber case that we take because there's certain airlines, like to Japan, right? 
and to to I just went to play in Nepal, the jazz festival there, and we flew Etihad, and they say on their website they don't allow guitars, so I put it in that carbon fiber fiber carbon fiber case. It's like a carton case, but you say Oz noise case is like. You could put it's it in smaller. the overhead. It's smaller than most gig bags. It's so, so you can put it in the overhead if you most if you of the time. Over- yeah. But if it, you really get stuck. I don't know. It's probably heavier than a gig bag, but it has straps and you could almost drive a car over it. You probably could drive a small car over it. <laughs> and I'm sure it would be fine. And you ruin the guitar, but you could drive the car over it. No, nice I don't know. I think no, it no, might no, survive. It, it does. It, it does survive. It's crazy. I might be exaggerating. It's, it's, a really, it's yeah. really challenging traveling with, with an instrument that's become so dear to you. Because, you know, if this was supposed to be my travel guitar and replaced the real 59 Strat that I have. But now I've played it for 20 years and I'm completely attached to it. Anybody, like, I, I get crazy when somebody wants to take it for me. Or, you know, even in the Carlton class, they take it and then they throw it on the belt. I know. I get toilet mouth when that happens. <laughs> Horrible. <laughs> I mean, any curse word in any language I know comes out of my face. It's so, you get so emotionally sure. attached to your instrument. Because yes. that's where you spend your whole day holding that thing. But it's gotten somewhat better. Anyway, I, I seem to get away with it. Is this your main Pacifica signature yeah, model? Yeah, this like, is the Pacifica signature model, which was a copy. Some, when, of when that the Danny Ro- Gatton guitar, right? Well, no, when the Roy Buchanan guitar got ripped off from me, then somebody else, uh, there was a little club in Boston called Michael's, and it was a really cool place everybody could play at, all the Berkeley students. and I played there a bunch with Jeff Berlin, actually, and a whole bunch of other people. And the guy was actually a luthier also, Michael Aronson, and he built this uh, uh, guitar. When he saw that the Roy Buchanan guitar had, had um, you know, been copped from me, had been stolen from me, he, he heard about it, oh, I told him about it, and he built something that looked similar and kind of sounded really good. It was, nothing would sound as good as that guitar. That was, that Roy Buchanan, Roy Buchanan guitar was really sweet. But this was really a cool guitar so i still used it i used it on all those records uh you know and uh that i that i ever did you know pretty much and then i and then yamaha built this um built this guitar for me which was kind of a copy of that guitar and uh and um I was just thinking about that time you brought that guitar to Jocko's gig, one of the gigs that, uh, that because I also had this Stratocaster. I've had very bad luck with great guitars. I, I had a Stratocaster that was stolen from me. They used to play with Miles Davis. And that was left by, when I was going to Europe with Jocko, after Miles I played with Jocko. And... And, um, they stole the, the whole they container, stole, right? No, they left it on the at the Kennedy Airport. They left it on the sidewalk. The guys that were supposed to put out all the bags, they had all the bags, and they somehow spaced. Of course, in those days, it was easy to space because we were all pretty lit up. And uh, and so, uh, yeah, they so so they left it on at the, at the sidewalk, and that was that. I get to Europe, and I thought, well, it's got to be on the next plane. You know, the plane probably messed it up and they couldn't find it anywhere and apparently that's what finally happened we realized so so that was really a drag but i had that um that strat was another beauty of mine you know the amazing guitar and and anyway yamaha made a, a copy of that 
Telecaster that I still have made by Michael Aronson, and it's really cool. And so I'm using this a bunch. I use this on Eric's record completely, you know, just by itself, and it's fat like sound. the first one or the... Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. They send me a bunch of prototypes, and now they they sell them a little bit here and there. You know, they don't sell a lot of their signature models, uh, you know, everywhere, but they're available. Oh, it's a great guitar. So it's a really good one, yeah. Yeah. One thing I love, the I mean, you do so many cool things. Like, like maybe you could tell me a little bit, like when you're playing one high note, kind of holding it with your fourth finger, your pinky. Oh, you know, I did that thing. Well, it's kind of like a a piano kind of thing that I kind of heard. When I was transcribing some stuff, I was hearing um, uh, Chick Corea do that. But, of course, he's doing it with one hand, his right hand, holding a note or tremoloing, you know, tre- you know, yeah. you know, and, and kind of... And you're and, throwing chords against that note. And, mm-hmm. and throwing chords against... So I said, how can I do that on the guitar? And I heard Jim Hall once do that on a... Um, but it wasn't as fast. It was just kind of a slower kind of... You know, like C minor seven to F seven to B flat seven, B flat major seven, and taking one note and just putting a voicing under that's to B seven. So I kind of made it more like a the thing that I transcribed, which was Chick, it was a kind of fast tune, and he was kind of doing that kind of thing with the probably octaves on, on his right hand and then playing chords underneath. So I kind of figured, kind of slowed everything down and tried to figure out how to do it. And you have some of these uh, yeah. like things you do on the top three strings that are kind of things that are really guitar things that we do, but you really have your own voice with them. Like, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> like no. I don't know, I hear you doing this all the time. You'd be like, you know. Oh, yeah. No, tri- just triads. Those are triads. Um, just kind of usually triads or... It's kind of more... Piano players do that a lot. And, and jazz players do that kind of... And it, and it it's kind of diatonic triads or sometimes not diatonic triads. I, so so I, 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 I try to transcribe a lot of, or or listen to one way or the other, either transcribe or just check out or ask, like, because I, I play with a lot of horn players, and I say, what are you, the hell are you doing? <laughs> and, <laughs> and try to figure it out, you know, right. what they're doing. I have books that, uh, like, I carry around with me, little notebooks where if I ask Randy Brecker who I'm playing with, you know, this gig at, at um, Catalina's right now, and I get a chance to play with him every so often, I want to learn from him as much as possible. He's so amazing. And so he I ask him what he's doing. He has a vocabulary, Randy. That is just stupid. Yeah, Did you hear that last night? Oh, his tone, oh, too. My, oh, his, yeah, tone his tone and his time feel. It's just, he's, and he's a fool is sitting in the dressing room practicing. <laughs> yeah, I know. That he's, fool. he's a giant. He's For the amazing. last, like, what, 40 years, he's every so, hour of the day. Yeah. That's what well, happens. Well, not he's every good. hour of the day, but he, he like... Like sometimes he'll come to the dressing room. It's the first time he's played the trumpet because he has to take a break. You know, oh, right, right, right. They have the chops thing, the trumpet And he, he plays a note, and he goes, ah, first pain in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, I mean, I know we got to wrap up here because you got to get back over to Catalina's again tonight. Yes. 
but I just want to say that every time I see you, it's more and more amazing. And wow. You Thank just, you. yeah, you're soaring out there. Like, you seems like you're flying. Wow. You're also smiling a lot, which you're, yeah. you smile like more than other any other guitarist I know when you're up there, probably. So you're really having some fun. Well, I was doing a gig with, the, it was really fun with Lee Rittner. We did a little gig together, me and Lee, and we did some touring and, and a record together. Or a, a, not a record, but a, a, like a DVD they 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 did in Japan. But anyway, when Randy, when I said I was going to play with Lee Rittenauer, Randy said, oh, great, you could have a smiling contest. Because <laughs> Lee likes to great. smile too. But we enjoy, I think everybody enjoys their, their playing. I know everybody that does this loves the music. And some people just, it's more obvious the oh, way yeah. they smile. And some people are kind of, get more serious because they're they're i'm very serious about the music too but i guess i can kind of smile at the same time and some people just get into this other world but i know they're having a ball miles used to always look kind of grumpy sometimes and behind then he'd come and make a face like a goofy little face you know when when he turned his back you know to to the cat sometimes right he would he would be having a ball he'd always say yeah, we're gonna go out. And, well, let's go out and have some fun. He always had a ball doing that. And then you'd see him like he would be more serious and kind of, you know, that was his kind of shtick. But He's, you know, some people they just look like grumpy when they concentrate. You know, there's like a lot of faces people make when they're concentrating. Yeah, sure. They're like sort of not aware of what it is. Right. Yeah. Like some people look mad, but they're just like focused. I've seen some where I look like Darth Vader. I mean, I'm trying to <laughs> bend the string and. uh with blonde hair, you know, I don't know if that really... But you know, the thing about watching you play, and I've seen it everywhere at the 55 bar, I know you play there regularly too. I, next time I'm in New York, I want to see one of your shows for Please. sure. Yeah, because... And I've seen you at Slim's and over the decades now, because I discovered you when I was a, in high school and your first solo album came out. I think it was produced by Hiram Bullock. Yeah, Great yeah. guy, rest in peace. Yeah. But when we you get up him. there, like the other night, there's this thing that happens. I don't even know if it happens in the studio where it just starts ramping up. Like you guys are just taking off and the energy, it's almost like a rubber band. Like it's a slingshot. Like you're it's taking ridiculous. off the aircraft carrier. How do you capture that energy in the studio? Or, or what is that thing? There's just something about playing It's harder to do in the studio, but we try to do it, you know, and just, just kind of try to, I think, first of all, it's kind of where you start. I mean, if you start, too much too with all your energy it's got no place to go so sometimes i want to start softer and and generally the whoever's playing the drums i don't even have to say anything because i'm so lucky to play with like dennis chambers or dave weckel or keith carlock or some of these guys that are amazing and laney's done a bunch of gigs with keith and uh with um dennis Dennis as well you know and recordings so you try to kind of have the whole band kind of get in the same space that this is going to go for a while. We're going to stretch this a little bit. And, and of course, in, on a record, you have to do it in a more concise way. When we're playing a gig, like tonight, we'll play, um, you know, the first tune will be the whole set. <laughs> no. But, I mean, we can stretch it. But then you have to kind of uh, pace yourself. But I, I like it when it, when I like the kind of drama that in, in music sometimes. And, and then have also some tunes that are burning tempo-wise and then some tunes that are really ballads and, and balance it that way. So it's just, just kind of a, that's just something that I'm particularly... Well, yeah, it seems like there's infinite room for you to 
keep taking it higher and higher. So yeah. that's what I always like about watching you guys play. Just, oh, thank you. There's no ceiling on it. So. Yeah, thank you. All right, you. before we go, see if we can. Do you remember this song? Amazing. You're playing it better than me on acoustic oh, yeah, guitar. Yeah, I can't hear you play your ass. Oh, no, I, I just love these tunes. You, man. I appreciate They're so melodic. Yeah. That, like, I spent a long time learning the melody, but then the chords are just like the chords that you're moving on that tune. They're just... They, they're so you one let's question no but show let's maybe we should wrap this up and then show us your thing listen check this out whoa <laughs> you know I, if i could do that that's all i'd probably ever do you know that's look at this shit that is so fucking cool now how do you how do you Jude, how do you do this? How do you do that? It's... Ladies and gentlemen, this is Jude Gold kicking our ass around the block. Ladies and gentlemen, he says it's not going to be on the show. This will be on the show. This is him doing slapping on the guitar. Like, have you done a DVD where you can slow it down? And have you done one? I just did one actually. With this showing this stuff. Two fire. Yes, I know. Yeah. I love that. I don't think I've heard a lot of people do it like you do. So uh, I'm going to need to see a DVD with that stuff. But you did it. You showed it. Can you show it like yeah. you did? The, this is step one and step yeah, two. Yeah, and then I'll call you and we'll get it together. I'll just send you a copy of It'll the book, It'll take me about man. 20 years. I'll be, so, I'll be 83. That's perfect. You're too kind. And I'll be ready to you go. You try to get a tone. That sounds good. You're a great bass player, by the way. You're a... 
when you're walking the base too, really nice lines underneath. <laughs> I was just talking with Tom Kennedy. How I, you know, when I went to Berkeley, at some point I realized all the bass players they got all the good gigs. So I said to Bill Fussell that I maybe was thinking of switching to bass, and he said I didn't have the right personality for that. And I never understood what you mean. Like, what kind of personality do you need to have to be a bass player? Like, I guess maybe. But I don't know what That's you That's how I met my wife, by the way. That's how I met her with, with Bill Frizzell introduced us. Oh, really? I got frustrated. Yeah. Where at? Yeah, I wish I In Boston. Was at a gig or? Yes. Yeah, Bill took me to a gig. gig. Yeah. No, actually, I took a lesson from Michael because I wanted to learn all this, like, real funk and blues. Like, you know how he's got, like, the baddest blues feel known to me? So yeah. I said to Bill, like, how can I learn how to, like, really... Because I was from Europe, you know? I felt like I was, and like... she learned what I had to offer in about five seconds, and now she kicks my ass around He showed me this. That's cool in the gang. Jocko showed me that. That's super funky. That's funky. That's what he showed me. Summit. But Jocko did it with his hands. <laughs> he, he picked up my guitar. And he showed me this. him <laughs> <laughs> well that was easy yeah that was <laughs> <easy>. <laughs> you should try with that this is find like a young guitar girl you totally, yeah you're ready to, is that it you're ready to go but i don't get that no tone coming well no you, you got it you're, you're a groove monster all that percussion that you do and all the uh, yeah african influences i play percussion I learned how to play percussion. You know how I learned how to play percussion? All my percussionists want a solo and nobody wants to accompany. And they were fighting about like, okay, play. It's called medium. I said, play medium for me. Come on, play medium. And I said, oh, come on. I don't want to play medium. I'm bored, bored, bored. So I said, like, I'll play medium. So they had to show me. They had to teach me all of these like, but it's like I'm accompanying. I, I don't get to be a soloist, like, but because everybody is fighting, so she but plays. I keep time for them. And then they always say to me, don't look at me and don't listen to me. Just play. Right. <laughs> That's what we do with Dennis. He did say the same thing. Like, when we do that groove at the end, he said, don't listen to me, you just play the groove. Oh, well, I don't know how you guys keep We don't listen to him. We don't listen to him. We do not listen to him. We just, me and Tommy just... Remember the kind of the tempo and, and pray to God that we'll get through it. <laughs> well, thanks for riding in the guitar copter with me, everybody, and uh, checking out Mike Stern and Laney Stern. What a riot. I love those guys, and I really want to sit down with them for real and do an even deeper interview sometime soon. They're each so deep, and we barely scratched the surface. I want to listen to a little song now, too, as we wrap this up. This one's called Scuffle from that first album, Upside Downside, just because it, it really had a huge effect on me, especially certain elements of the guitar solo, which we'll get to. It's nice that Mike is so supportive about like the guitar spanking kind of stuff that I do. I think I did a little bit of that once when I was interviewing him at his house or at Mike and Laney's condo in Manhattan. 
And it's cool that he gets a kick out of that. I really just left that in because I didn't have any other ending for the show. That's just kind of where we were. And uh, the time was ticking because they had to go to soundcheck or whatever, get back to the venue. But, uh, wow. So much fun hanging out with them. I love the way Mike jumps around different keys so effortlessly. Adam Levy once wrote a big article in Guitar Player Magazine about... Adam's a great guitar player. About modern state of bebop. And he said that Mike Stern represents modern bebop. It's true. Even when you listen to crazy solos like this, you're going to hear crazy bebop style runs. I remember I learned this run once, but not without help from Tuck Andress. The great Tuck Andress... uh, I was 17. Where is it? It's like right here. Let's hear that again. Yeah, so there I am, 17, getting this great guitar lesson. Got a few of them from Tuck Andress, monster guitar player, as you know, if you've ever checked out Tuck and Patty. And he just played that line once on a cassette tape on a little tiny handheld Walkman. Maybe he just hit the rewind button a couple times, and then he had it. It just blew my mind that he could hear it so clearly and so fast. But now, I realize I can hear that nowadays. You know, you pay your dues, you learn enough, you recognize everything. I hear it. It's just an E minor 9 arpeggio thingamajammer. A little bit of a kind of little turnaround bebop tag at the end of it. And then we got into some other crazy stuff, and Tuck showed me some of this stuff that Mike was doing. There's a distortion, there's an octaver, but he's just doing some... That's just so crazy. What I didn't understand then was just the rhythm. It's like uh, four against three. You know, it's like a four-note pattern, but with the triplet sixteenths rhythm. Anyway. Mike Stern is one of my favorite pilots on Earth, because he just, he really takes to the skies when he solos. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode, or two weeks ago, I guess, with... Andy Wood, the ferocious picker from the Rascal Flats touring band. What a great cat that guy is. I put up a bunch of videos of him uh, doing some stuff on the Facebook page. No guitar is safe. Chicken picking less than this and that. And if you're new to the show, please don't be afraid to check out some cats you haven't heard of. Obviously, you probably know of, of your Guthrie Govins and your Joe Satriani's and your Billy Sheehan's who all have appeared on this show. And Robin Ford's, but there's so many other. Every one of these great players has a story and they have so much to offer. So, dig it! Please subscribe on iTunes. Write a review up there. A nice one, preferably. <laughs> Again, my name is Jude Gold. We thank Zoom for the H6 Handy Recorder that we use to that I use when I parachute into these places and record the interviews. I hope you guys are all doing great and staying super inspired. Tons more shows to come. Just got to put them together for you. 
Until next time, keep it alive till you're 95.